You're listening to the Diabetic Running Podcast, helping people run their blood sugars one workout at a time. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Episode 2 of the Diabetic Running Podcast. I'm your host, John Fody. Today, I'm super excited to have Emma Collins, also known as We Run Diabetes on Instagram, on the show today. Emma's a runner from across the pond, and within the past year, she's run both the London and Berlin marathons while setting a PR in both of those. Emma's a type 1 diabetic, and I think we jumped into a lot of information that's super helpful to anyone who's wanting to run their first race or has any questions about running and diabetes. And without further ado, here's my interview with Emma Collins. Okay, so today on the podcast, we have uh, Emma Collins uh, from Across the Pond. Um, just a quick intro to Emma. She is uh, 33, a type 1 diabetic, diagnosed at 7. Um, just talked about how she's from London. Um, oddly enough, she started running only recently, within the, about the past year, but she's accomplished so much in that time frame. So looking about the past 12 months, she's done over 14 events, four half marathons, two full marathons, including London and Berlin. Uh, Emma, how are you doing today? Uh, I'm really well, thank you. First of all, uh, where are you? So you're in London? I, in I, London, yeah, southwest London. Okay. It's it's bad that I just assume everyone from the UK lives in London, but I know there's plenty of other <laughs> cities um, you know, that are associated. So um, the first thing I wanted to start with, and the biggest question that I have, and just because I'm always curious about people's stories, is um, so you were diagnosed at seven, and oh. then you started running at 33, 32, something like that? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. And so if you could just talk to the listeners a little bit about your story and kind of, you know, getting diagnosed at seven and kind of what you did between seven and 32 years old. <laughs> okay. Yeah, sure. So, um, when I was diagnosed, when I was seven, um, I was taken really, really ill, um, kind of within 24 hours. Um, I lost a lot of weight. I couldn't keep anything, anything down. Um, every, I was really thirsty going to the toilet all the time. Um, and that was a Sunday and my parents just assumed that I'd eaten or had too much fizzy pop or something at a party they'd had the day before. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> my mum was like, oh, she just had too many, I don't know, too much Coke probably. And, uh, um, my dad, it got to the evening and my dad said, I'm going to take her to the hospital because I just was a bit gray. I think my brother said he could have played the xylophone on my ribs. I was so slim. Um, and yeah, so he took me to the hospital. Um, and they basically said, had I not gone in that night, I'd have gone into a coma and passed away, which I think kind of draws attention to how serious it is. Um, if, if the symptoms aren't, aren't picked up. Um, so I was in hospital for two weeks. Uh, and from then it was kind of like, just get on with it. Back in those days, yeah. uh, you had proper syringes and needles. It was very different. Test, testing your blood sugar probably took about two and oh, a half minutes. That's terrible. Do you know what <laughs> yeah, your blood sugar that, was when you went into the hospital? Uh, yeah, 30. <laughs> oh, wow. um, oh yeah. yeah. So that's, um, I have a calculator on my phone and I'm always, I follow a lot of, um, you know, different metric people online. Um, uh -huh. So I'm constantly having to like calculate the difference. Convert. You know, yeah. yeah. So, I'm kind of the old school version, I think. <laughs> yeah. And so for us over here, it would be a 543. That's absolutely crazy. Yeah, it yeah. was absolutely crazy. So I was quite lucky that um, he'd taken me in. Yeah. Um, so then, like I say, things have moved on so much. It used to take two and a half minutes to test your blood sugar. Now it takes about five seconds. Wow. Yeah. Um, I used to have to do uh, injections half an hour before every meal I had. All my food had to be weighed out, everything I was going to eat. Um, now I can generally eat what I like. I do my insulin just before I'm going to eat on a kind of carb counting basis, more yeah. insulin I have for more carbs. Um, 
Yeah. And so uh, growing up, I, I don't think it really ever stopped me doing anything. I was a really keen uh, ballet dancer growing up, um, which uh, led to me going to stage school kind of from the age of 16 to 19. Um, so I was always quite active. Um, kind of when I left stage school and I think, you know, uh, became a young adult and was introduced to alcohol. I went through a period <laughs> I went through a period in my life where I think I really ignored the fact I had diabetes. Um yeah. it, it was a really bad uh period and um it was one day I wo- that was a couple of years and one day I woke up next to my bed and uh managed to get to the kitchen, get myself some juice and I felt my face and I happened to have like two black eyes wow. <laughs> I'd given myself two black eyes because I'd had a fit in the night and that was kind of my wake-up call as in I need to get back on track with this it's it's yeah. serious I need I need to sort it out and so you so, had just enough blood sugar to get to the kitchen yeah basically um during that that period I didn't really have any symptoms of hypos which like low blood sugars I didn't have have any of that just because I didn't I kind of control I did my insulin based on how I felt as opposed to checking what I would have been yeah which um yeah to someone newly diagnosed that probably sounds terrible and it was terrible but I think it sounds impossible yeah yeah I just went through a period where I just was like do you know what it's not controlling me I can do whatever I like Mm -hmm. um but I actually was doing myself more harm um so yeah so I went back to the hospital they kind of got me back on track there were lots of new things that had come in like uh new pens uh new blood machines that didn't take so long to test lots of stuff that i hadn't had yeah. and that kind of made everything a lot a lot easier um and i went for a few more regular checkups yeah so and this would have been this would have been like the early 2000s yeah let me think when what is it now <laughs> oh no it would have been it would have been like yeah probably 2008 yeah. 10 ish okay. yeah so then um one new year I just decided I want to do a marathon yeah which my parents found quite funny because they were like well you can't run down the street so <laughs> <laughs> you're never going to be able to do that and I think that was kind of the yeah. the thing that was like well I'm going to prove you wrong you know like it's kind of like when your dad tells you not to do something and you do it anyway so uh, and what was the um, what was the initial inspiration for that I think it was just because it was quite a big challenge so I'd done a skydive um I'd done what else had I done that was kind of like I'd done like a walkathon thing so I was like I need to do something that will challenge me um in a real way and I I I don't know if I believed if I could do it actually um the diabetes didn't really factor into it I was just like I'm not a runner and I I don't think I'll be able to do it um so I applied to the London Marathon ballot, which um, is is really difficult to get into for about four years, <laughs> and I di- and I didn't get in. Oh, um, no. So last year I just decided, you know what, I'm doing it this year. I'm going to do it for charity. Um, so I did it for Diabetes UK, <laughs> yeah. obviously a, a selfish charity to myself. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, and then yeah, so the training just kicked off um, from there, but kind of going alongside obviously with with all of the training for that you you don't realize how much it does actually impact uh you know how much insulin you do what you eat kind of adrenaline for short runs has a big impact too so there were a lot of things to learn and I think going from London Marathon this year to Berlin 
I learned so many things and 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 for me Berlin crossing that finish line was a really proud moment because not not just doing the 42 kilometers or 26 miles it was the fact that I'd been able to control my diabetes so much better than I'd managed to in the London one so um, so so yeah so just to give everyone perspective was London your first marathon and was that essentially your first like jump into the running scene yeah, so I've done a couple of like half marathons in training mm-hmm. um, for the London one, and I'd done some 10K events and stuff like that. But London Marathon was my first marathon. And, and I said the same thing that everyone says when they cross the finish line. And I said to my parents and friends, <laughs> make sure I never do that again. Yeah. That's <laughs> um, awesome. But I'm signed, I'm signed up to Paris next year as well. So. Oh, already? <laughs> yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. And so what was... Uh, you know your kind of methodology going into that was it just finish or were you racing it did you have a pace that you were trying to maintain how did that play out um for london i think when i first when i first signed up for it it was just like to finish and i don't think you it's people underestimate um you know how much effort it is to run that distance um so i think generally people when they ask me my time they're people that haven't really ever run before oh, of course yeah. um yeah so in my head I wanted to do 430 and all of my training I was spot on to do a 430 time yeah um on the day it didn't go very well uh <laughs> there's diabetes so, yeah, there's related so many variables yeah yeah so um yeah so if I tell you about that um basically my sugar started really high um again you'd have to convert but they were like 20 which in oh, yeah. the uk they should be between four and seven right so yeah. putting that into perspective 20 is pretty high and i just couldn't get them to come down so i managed to i ran mile 16 or 17 and then i was physically sick on the side of the road which was a particularly low point <laughs> i carried on running and a mile later i was sick again and i just thought you know um some police officers on the side said you should stop and I was like well I've done all of the training up till now I'm not going to stop I'm not a quitter Uh, so I so I carried on going um uh walking most of it which I I was so disappointed um and when I got to mile 22 the ambulance guys checked oh that was another thing so I'd had a (laughs) a blood measuring machine in my arm which unfortunately fell out so I couldn't check my blood sugar either as I was running along like a Um, continuous glucose monitor exactly exactly Yeah. yeah Um, and so they tested my sugar and I was 22. So it was just going up oh, as opposed no. to what you would expect it to go down. Yeah. So at that, that point I was crying and the guy's like, oh, you know, I've never, I'd never be able to run 22 miles. And I was like, well, I've got to finish. Like <laughs> it's just, yeah, it was not the best experience. And I finished in 537, I think. Yeah. Um, I hid my medal in a drawer for about a week because I just felt so bad about it. Yeah. But you finished. That's incredible. I did, everyone says that. Everyone says yeah. that. Yeah, you finished. Um, and I mean, it's your first. And so I, I've yeah. only run once. So I, I can't, I don't have a lot of experience at the marathon distance either. But um, I know that yeah. it's a pain. <laughs> yeah. And so, so obviously to myself, I had to prove to myself I could do better. <laughs> yeah, it's incredible. Um, and and that, that actually perfectly leads me into the next thing I really wanted to talk about was, um, um, I really wanted to highlight your Berlin race because I know you said that that was a highlight for you. Um, yeah. And kind of along the way, I'd love to hear about essentially the whole day to include, um, you know, your insulin regimen, how you manage, you know, your diet, your nutrition before meals, you know, during runs, and then um, any kind of equipment that you have on you and how you manage it while you're running. And 
Um, for sure. Berlin, how did that play out for you? Okay, so um, if I just compare to London, I've probably been given wrong advice where someone had told me, we have two different insulins. We have our Nova Rapid, well, Nova Rapid, the quick acting insulin, which mm-hmm. I will do for the carbs that I eat. Yeah. And then a background insulin that I do in the morning and before I go to bed. Uh, so that's a 12-hour insulin. And I'd been given advice not to do the 12-hour insulin Why I was running the marathon, which was just, it's just the wrong wrong advice. Oh, no. So, yeah. <laughs> so instead for um, Berlin, I reduced what I would normally do as background insulin in the morning. So I generally, do, if I run a half marathon or more now, I will generally reduce my background insulin. A 10K, like I did a 10K this morning, I, d- I don't really change much. Mm-hmm. So for Berlin, I did 50% of my background that I would normally do. So yeah. I normally do 17 units and instead I did like nine. So you're on injections only. You never, you don't ever play with a pump or mess around with an insulin. I, ha- I haven't yet. I haven't yet. I'm, I'm yeah. thinking about doing it because a lot of people with exercise recommend it as a, as a good thing, but. I, th- I think just growing up with it and needles and stuff, I just think I'm so used to it. Yeah. I, um, I only got one recently and uh, I kind of love it, but I really don't have a good baseline for, you know, running intensely on, you know, that slow acting insulin. So yeah, yeah. I've always been nervous having that in my system thinking like, Oh, well, you know, if I hit that threshold and now I want to really, you know, like get a PR, or I want to run fast for this next K or 5k. I'm always worried like I'm going to just run myself so low that I can't come back, you know. Yeah, um, yeah, and and this is the problem. Um yeah, so I mean I reduced my background. Uh, I reduced Berlin I reduced it by 50%. Mm-hmm. Um I then reduced my so normally for carb quick acting ratio I'd kind of do one unit of insulin to 10 grams of carbohydrate. Mm-hmm. Um so I also reduced that by 30%. I mean, I think you have to be an accountant to be yeah. <laughs> to be a diabetic. Yeah, well. we're all suddenly mathematicians, um, <laughs> yeah. and I'm yeah, historically exactly. terrible at math. <laughs> so. It's a night. It's a nightmare. Yeah. Um, so then, yeah. So uh, in the morning for breakfast, I had um, a large bowl of porridge and a banana, um, and then just before the race. Uh, adrenaline sends your sugar up as well. So my sugar level was quite high. Mm-hmm. So I took an extra unit just to make sure it would come down. Um, I had the, um, what do you call them? CGMs or the, yeah. uh, the monitor in my arm. Yeah. We call them CGMs or continuous CGMs. monitors. Yeah. I, I have yeah. one on my stomach all the time. Yeah. So these, they're great. They're really, really good. So I had one on my arm, but this time I taped it in on my arm so that it couldn't fall off. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas in London it had fallen off. So, I started and I was quite high, but I'd done some insulin to bring myself down. I, I just kept running. When I got to mile nine, I thought, mm, I, I should probably check. So I, I pulled the, the scanning machine out. Uh, I could ca- You can carry on running while you do this. So I yeah. was wearing, I had one belt which kind of had my insulin in it and my um, uh, monitoring system, yeah. um, which again was something I'd learned from London. I didn't carry my insulin because I've never had to give myself insulin when I've been running before. Yeah. So this, I carried it with me in a belt with my monitoring machine. And then I had another belt, which kind of had jelly babies in it. It had gels in it. I had a Mars bar. It was like a top yeah. shot basically. <laughs> um, so two separate belts. I scanned it and my blood sugar was seven, which is like, kind of perfect levels so then um i think i maybe had a dextrose tablet or a couple of dextrose tablets carried on running and then i just kept scanning myself every mile and a half to two miles and for the whole race i managed to keep my blood sugar 
between six and seven which is just is just perfect for running yeah um and uh when i finished i think i was down to four and and like i say we say it should stay between four and seven um so yeah it was it was it worked really well everything kind of clicked into place yeah Um, it's essentially like we say 80 to 120 or you know some people it's 100 to 120 Um, right that sounds incredible so where did you where did you start at for the day you said you're a little high how does that like where where do you normally like to start a run like perfect scenario for Emma if I'm gonna go for a long run I probably like to start around nine um uh but I was about 16 at the start line so for me that (laughs) because because you get so thirsty yeah um it's not but I also know I also know from my experience of running up to date now with adrenaline you your sugar goes up so if i do an intense if i do an intense fast 5k well fast for me mm-hmm. 5k my blood sugar will go up but i can't correct for that because i know within an hour it's going to come back down again yeah you just have so, to ride it yeah exactly which it's not ideal um so i corrected with one unit normally we will correct uh, one unit brings me down two and a half. So mm-hmm. from 16, technically, that should have brought, brought me down to about 13 and a half. But yeah. I thought some of that will be adrenaline and I'm going to start running. So yeah. I didn't want to overdo it and then, you know, be hypoing at like mile one. <laughs> right. Yeah. So for us over here, I think you, you're wanting to start at about a 166, but you're, you started mm-hmm. at a 295, which, yeah, I can. For right. me, I would be really nervous if I had to start a race at 295. Cause I yeah. know that for me, at least when I run, I always try and avoid swings, you know, cause I know that sure? regardless of my run, that's, it's going to throw me off if I go from, you know, like you say, a 16 all the way down to a four over the course of, you know, that time frame. to me, it just, it kind of boils my blood a little bit, you know, and it kind of just, yeah, it turns my skin and that movement always messes with my stomach and I hate it, but, um, yeah. So I didn't, didn't mean to interrupt the rest of it, but, uh, yeah, I, I yeah, like to continuously funny. translate the. The metric yeah, to no, no, you know, the US. I should have looked it up. I didn't think. Oh about no, it it's fine. <laughs> I've got I've got it right on my phone here because I, like I said, I follow so many metric people on Instagram. It's kind of cool to to constantly yeah, know yeah. kind of what their story is throughout the day. So yeah, I mean, for me, on a normal day to day basis, I would never want to be sixteen. But I right. just know from my experience with running, sometimes with adrenaline, my sugar does just shoot up, and I yeah. just have to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Um, example: This morning, I started my ten k at nine. Um, so I always like to be slightly high. I, ideally I'll be between four and seven, but I started a couple of units higher, uh, just because I, I know the exercise will probably bring yeah. it down a bit. Yeah, Anything kind buffer. of, yeah, exactly. 10 K and a 10 K and above. Um, mm. but for me, I think the real thing is now I, I test my sugar all the time because you can't, you, you, it, it just lets you control your life. It makes your life so much easier. And, and like with these, uh, CGM machines, it just, to be able to see how things, even when you're asleep and you scan it in the morning and you can see what's happened overnight. Yeah. Um, it's just great. And I, like I, when I was diagnosed, we just didn't have anything like that. Yeah. So you're at Berlin and you're testing your sugars. How is your run going? Uh, yeah. So the run was fun. I mean, I'm not the best runner in the world. Um, I ran up to without stopping 19 miles, um, oh, wow. which I don't think I've ever run that full distance without stopping. Um, and then I kind of did a walk for a minute, run for another 10 minutes, walk for a minute, run for another 10 minutes yeah. um, t- to the end. Uh, yeah, everything was fine. I, I mixed it up quite a bit. So I would test my sugar and then I would have they had uh, half bananas like at some of the water stations. Yeah. So I'd have half banana 
um, test it again. It had gone down to six. So then I might have half a gel or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, just like mixing it up and uh, just making sure that I hadn't, I don't think there was any risk of having too, too much. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, yeah. So it, it was kind of, um, yeah perfect for me and and the bizarre thing was london my training had all gone to plan whereas berlin i actually had an injury so i couldn't do all the training oh, no. i wanted to do um yeah. but my finishing time was 453 which for me yeah so you've already I taken was really happy with yeah you've already taken what 40 minutes off of your what exactly, was then exactly. your marathon pr yeah exactly yeah. so i was really happy um with that and yeah so so the next one, the target is 4.30, which would have been my London target initially. Yeah. I think you're definitely going to be able to get there, especially now that you, it seems so. like you have so many lessons learned going into it. Um, definitely, my, definitely. Yeah, just so we all know. So when you're, let's say, at like at Berlin, you're running, you eat a banana. Yeah. Are you also adding extra insulin? Like when, at, at what point during your runs do you know, like, hey, I need to do a little bit more insulin now? Or do you let your slow-acting insulin kind of run you through the day? Yeah. See, I don't, yeah, when I'm running, I don't do insulin unless, for example, I would shoot up, which apart from London, that's never happened. Okay. So I don't, I don't, I guess I don't eat so much that you, I guess you're talking about 10 10 to 20 grams of carbs so normally yeah. i do i don't know two units mm-hmm. but with exercise anyway generally they say reduce it by 30 percent. Mm-hmm. so if i'm looking at one to two units and i'm carrying on running it's kind of it's immaterial it's not it's not necessary and it doesn't impact me at all yeah. the problem the problem with i think type one is everyone is different I know a lot of people my age now through doing London and doing Berlin who are also type ones Mm -hmm. and we where we do similar things and we give each other advice everyone is slightly different and it has been a lot of trial and error with me and I think a lot of people just give up because it's it's easier not to go to the gym rather than going to the gym and then eating three jelly babies later because your sugar's gone low yeah you know you have to understand yeah and it can sometimes it is really draining but i think there are so many other benefits from going to the gym uh you know as opposed to just burning calories but yeah for me i think i've got into a routine now where i i know my body i know how much to take off how much i need um and so no the the good thing with berlin was my background insulin kind of carries me through being 50 percent of what i would normally do for yeah. a day um and then yeah, I check it straight after. Probably another big thing is with any exercise, it can take up to 24 hours, if not more, to have a reaction. Mm-hmm. Um, so my overnight background insulin, I also do 50% after I've done a marathon or a half marathon. I might reduce 30% off of that as well. Yeah. Um, because your sugars can come back down, yeah, like I say, up, up to 24 hours after. Yeah. So I, I need to look into, you know, going back on maybe a slow acting insulin when I run because, you know, as I'm getting farther away from my diagnosis and I'm starting to try mm-hmm. to do longer runs, my fear is that, you know, halfway through a run, I start feeling, you know, a little weak and I just want a banana or whatever the case may be. Yeah. Um, but I have zero active insulin in my body cause I'm on, you know, the pump and I've been disconnected from my pump for an hour, you know? So now I'm balancing like, okay, if I eat, do I need to put on my pump for a minute, you know, give myself a few, you know, like a unit or a fraction of a unit and then go on. Or maybe all day I should have just had that slow acting insulin in me, you know, um, I'm still, yeah, balance, sure. I'm still trying to balance that ratio and figure it out, but it seems like trying you kind of have out. it locked in. 
Yeah, for me, that really works. I mean, you're, with the pump, I think it reduces slowly. So what you're saying is you turn it off or something when you're doing a long run as yeah, opposed to having it. I just it. take it off. Yeah, I don't, even, yeah. I don't even bring it with me. I leave it in the truck. <laughs> yeah. See, see, the, see, the background insulin is it like it's fundamental for like, even when you're sick, you should be doing your background insulin just because all of your organs kind of rely on that background insulin to work. So mm-hmm. if, if you're running and you don't have the background insulin, then your sugar goes low or something like that. It, the glucose that you have stored within your liver or, or anything like that aren't going to be released. And, yeah. and you need those, you know, and you, and you need the stored kind of carbs you have within your muscles um, to work. And that was, like I say, advice that I was given wrongly yeah. <laughs> probably and- at the, be- the beginning of the year. Yeah. And um, that's the same for me. You know, I think I ran after I got diagnosed, I think I ran for about two or three months without realizing that if I didn't have insulin in my body, I wasn't going to have yeah. access to any of my glycogen. So I was just yeah, I was essentially exactly. running on hopes, you know, and dreams. Yeah. Like you said, you struggled and you were getting more tired and, and yeah. everything, but that's because your body couldn't function properly. And, yeah. and which must be really frustrating because in your head, you know, you know, you can do it. Yeah. It's just, yeah. Um, yeah, um, not me, ideal. Even after, even after my diagnosis, I really don't think I understood the, the balance between insulin and glycogen and glucose. And, yeah. um, I think I thought, you know, I could just, you know, not have any insulin in me and just always keep my blood sugars down by running. You know? <laughs> but, uh, not yeah, that I no. did that, but, um, <laughs> I think I thought that it was possible. So, yeah, no, I think definitely def- background is definitely important depending on the distance you're doing. You, mm-hmm. If you're eating a banana, for example, you, you, I don't, and, and most of the people I know, you don't need to inject for that when you're running, say, 13 miles, like yeah. it, because your body is burning. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And so, as um, you know, as a runner, and so as someone you know who's just you know overall fit, um, what does your general diet and nutrition look like? Like, do you worry about you know what you eat throughout the day, or do you kind of you just count your carbs and you don't really stick to any sort of specific regimen when it comes to nutrition or calories or, you know, carbohydrates. I mean, I think I do generally Monday to Thursday. <laughs> yeah. Um, cheat meals all I, weekend. Sorry, say again. Like cheat meals all weekend. Cause yeah, I'm exactly bad about that. Like I, yeah. me and my wife will cook, we'll eat so clean during the week and then come Friday <laughs> night all the way through Sunday afternoon. we pretty much eat whatever we want you know i'll still count my carbs like i'll count my carbs perfectly but you know i'm not gonna worry about what i'm eating you know i'll eat pizza hamburgers hot dogs whatever you know exactly exactly i generally do eat i like healthy food so i like vegetables i like salads i know people think i make this up but i generally do and having having being diagnosed at seven when everything was so like I couldn't really eat ice cream. I had to have all my food weighed. I think I grew up kind of with like type one shouldn't eat this and shouldn't eat that. But that isn't the case. Type type ones, uh, which I explain to a lot of people all the time, are very different to type two. So type two, there's a lot lot of sugary stuff that they can't eat. It's diet controlled. Whereas with us, it's more that there's a, a part, our pancreas just doesn't work. And so we inject to, to change that. And Ideally, if you don't eat carbs, it's much easier to control. You don't have to do so much insulin. Um, but no one, no one wants a carb-free life. Yeah, no, it's so, I, you know I always hear about you know like type one diabetics that switch over to like the high fat, low carb, and it just I don't know. I feel like I'd have no energy. You know, I, exactly, I know you can you can switch exactly. over to your body. You know, burning fat. I just don't know. I don't yeah, know how well no, it would work I think for me. pre-running, I I did 
probably not eat that many carbs. And then when I went to one of my checkups and I'd started my London training and um, we went through my diet and my nurse just said, you, when you go to the gym in the evening, evening you need to eat more carbs. Like mm-hmm. you can't, you can't because you're going to have a hypo later on in, in the middle of the night or whatever. Yeah. Um, so then I started introducing more carbs and I think, again, it's trial and error for everything. So like I say, my ratio is one to 10 grams of carbs but with pasta, because pasta is a slow releasing carb and also a, a lot of people eat it for running, yeah. I always find if I ate, say, 60 grams of pasta and I did six units of insulin, within an hour, my sugar has gone down. Mm-hmm. And that's because the insulin is working quicker than the pasta is. Yeah. So if I if I treated a hypo, then two hours later, I'd You're have right. high sugar. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. And yeah. It, I found it really frustrating. So now it's the same with pizza, actually pasta or pizza i'll do insulin just before i eat and then i'll do the other half of it an hour to an hour and a half later yeah and that way i found it works much better but again no no one can tell tell an individual that i think it works differently for different people yeah see that's one of the things i kind of wish i had known for months i walked around not really knowing what like a pre-bolus was you know so i don't think i realized you could i used to get so nervous when i first got diagnosed you know because i would sit down at a restaurant I would know how many carbs I'm going to eat. I would take my insulin. And then if my food didn't get there within two or three minutes, I was so worried that I was going to die. You know, yeah. I'm like, I'm going to die. I'm going to pass out. <laughs> Just take me to the hospital now, you know. And so... <laughs> And now I'm so comfortable to the point where, you know, I can, you know, I have a pump so I can just, you know, give myself the insulin sure. to the pump. And then, you know, 45 minutes later, if I'm just eating, I'm normally comfortable with that, you know? Um, yeah. It's just, it's so I, funny the things you have to learn. And yeah. It's kind of it's unfortunate that no one can tell you. No. And it's the same thing as well is if I look at a plate and I'm like, right, that's what I'm going to eat. And then I inject and then because I'm talking too much or whatever, my stomach gets full up quicker and I've not finished what I've injected for. And you're kind of sat there and you're like, well, I need to finish this because I'm injected for it. I've done that. And then I have to have like a gulp of juice to kind of counteract the space that I don't have left in my stomach. Exactly. Exactly. Um, And I think going back to your point where, you know, if you're ever worried about your sugar going lower and then I carry jelly. In fact, I'm looking at two packets of jelly babies right now. (laughs) I carry, um, packets of jelly babies in my gym bag i carry them in my handbag i have some next to my bed so it's like, a jelly bean I, right jelly babies yeah you call them jelly so, baby. i think we call them jelly beans i'm not sure uh okay okay yeah so <laughs> it's like three or four of those will say solve a hypo situation so i i literally have them everywhere i mean yeah. i don't like them i don't like them but see i need to look um, into those because i've never had one of those since i got diagnosed i normally my go-to oh, really? is like orange juice or gatorade i'll carry a gatorade everywhere with me Sure. Yeah. 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 I just, they're, they're, it's just so easy because I know it's three to four and, and they work really quickly. And, uh, yeah, that's just what I, what I go on. Yeah. Really. <laughs> um, well, so that kind of takes me into my big next question. So we kind of talked about diet and nutrition. How do you, what is like your package of, you know, diabetes equipment that you run with, you know? So like, if you think of a, a long run, like a marathon or a training run <laughs> leading into it, um, what are the things that you have, you know, either in your car or with you, um, that you use to help like perfectly manage, um, your diabetes for a great run? Right. So for, for long runs, definitely I'd have my CGM yeah. in my arm, uh, just because no one wants to stop and, and test their blood sugar properly. You can carry yeah. on running, you just scan it, you can scan it through a top, you know, it's fine. So I always carry that. I'll carry my Nova Rapid pen, so my quick-acting pen with me, just mm-hmm. in case 
And you it carry that like in, a, in like a running belt or? In a running belt. So yeah, yeah I have a, a flip belt. So I carry those within uh, um, my running belt. But it's so easy just to access, pull it out, scan it, goes yeah. back in, and that's fine. And your and CGM, then all- you, have to, you said scan it. So you have to scan your CGM? Because mine, mine's an app, and so I'm not familiar with the, the scanning. Yeah, so we've got like these little machines and you literally just turn it on, tap it on the on your arm and it shows you what your blood sugar has been for the last eight hours, basically. Oh, it's wow. like a graph, so it will tell you what it is right then. Oh, that's and it also has, has the range four to seven, so our mm-hmm. target range. Yeah. That's kind of blued out, so you can see really clearly where you are. Um, so, yeah. So that's basically that. Um, I always, always, always carry um, probably a gel with me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not a massive fan of those after London when I was really ill, but I carry a gel and some yeah. dextrose tablets and jelly babies. I mean, it sounds excessive, but I always like to make sure that I've got. I'm the exact you know, I never want to. Yeah, <laughs> what, I never um, want to be in a situation where I don't have. Yeah, what kind of gels are you using over there? Um, so that I've got cis gels science and sport yeah so yeah over here we have like what's called goo gels i don't know if you've ever heard of those um i think that's probably a popular u.s brand and you're probably talking about a popular uk brand it's pretty interesting yeah 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 Um, do they have um do you take the caffeine ones or yeah so yeah we have one that caffeinated non-caffeinated and then just the myriad of different flavors you can get s'mores and chocolate and peanut butter (laughs) um i what's funny is that back in february like months before i was diagnosed i was um, I would go on like a, you know, a 10 or a 20 mile training run in preparation for a 50 K that I ran in February. Yeah. Oh, and sure. I would hammer probably four or five of those gels. And who I was pre-diabetic at the time. So I, I don't, well, not pre-diabetic, but I hadn't been diagnosed yeah. and I don't know yeah, if yeah. I was already showing symptoms of diabetes back then, but who knows what my blood sugars were when I was hammering four yeah. or five of those during a run, you know? Um, and that's it's got to be tough because when your sugar is high, you need the toilet all the time, and you are so thirsty. You, well, you know this. I'm, oh yeah. You. You're so thirsty, and nothing quenches your thirst. It's no. just which you know when you're running, you get thirsty anyway. So that must have been awful for you. It was pretty bad. It was so b- back in June. I, I got married in July, but um, uh-huh. I had driven up to um, Kentucky, which is you know about five or six hours away for my um, wedding shower, and right. so. You know, we've got, we're at my wife's church and her family's there and all of her friends. And I'm like about a week and a half away from getting diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. And so I'm sure. sitting over by the reception table hammering <laughs> lemonades because I just cannot. Yeah. And so I, I probably have six or seven lemonades. My blood sugar is probably like 8,000. Something ridiculous yeah, like exactly. that. Yeah, you know? And <laughs> that's the problem because you're so thirsty and like orange juice or lemonade or something yeah. you think would quench the thirst, but it kind of does the opposite. It does. Yeah, I've never been so thirsty in my life. And <laughs> what sucks is that I actually don't remember that day very much because I was so like oh. out of it. You know, I just, yeah. And so I wish I could go back and remember that day because I know it was a great <laughs> day, but luckily I got diagnosed. And by the time our wedding came around in July, you know, I was, you know, you're controlled and yeah, I was all sorted out, but, uh, um, yeah, super nervous, but you know, who wasn't? So, but um, <laughs> yeah. And so, and so how does that play into other running gear that you use? So, you know, you've got your CGM, you've got your pen, and then, you know, mm-hmm. you've got your little kit. It sounds like just in case you go low all on your yeah. running belt, what other gear do you use or what kind of recommendations do you have for people that are, you know, maybe wanting to tap into the marathon distance and, you know, aren't comfortable with getting into a running store and then all of a sudden now they've got like these, you know, high pressure salesmen on them trying to sell them all these different gear and shoes. And 
Do you know what? I don't know if America is different compared to the UK in this, but I was terrified to go into a running shop just because I was so far from a runner. Oh, it's the same. You wouldn't believe it. You you Um, go into one of these stores and they try and measure your feet and they're trying to sell you all this equipment and gear. And it's uh, some people can get easily intimidated by it. I've I've been running for years just because the Army's made me, but... Um, I know for a fact that it can be intimidating for other people that aren't, you know, already in the community. Yeah. Well, exactly. I'm actually quite lucky because our running stores here. I mean, I went and got gate tested. I don't know if you guys yeah. have that over there. If it's yet called yeah, a lot of, the, a lot of the stores have that. Yeah. Yeah, but then so they 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 film you running. They they went through everything with me. They showed me, you know, what my foot was doing on either side and and the angles and everything. And from that, they recommended which trainers I should get. Um, they they were really really helpful. And it's not like they they pushed what you should or shouldn't buy. Yeah. But if <clears throat> for me, I think <laughs> compression compression tights, compression socks, all of those things are. Are really good i definitely yeah. recommend them i think the flip belt i don't again i don't know if that's a uk brand or or not, um a, U, a yeah. us one i'm not, I'm not sure really what they sure. call it over here but i actually just recently got one on amazon because i so i know what you're talking mm-hmm. about and i think there's like tons of different ones you're, you're, you're talking like kind of like a an elastic stretchy belt that you kind of slip on and then there's just infinite amount of space in there you can shove you know goodies and jelly exactly, babies or exactly and then you turn it upside down and then it's all kind of like yeah you'd be yeah. surprised how much you can fit into it basically yeah, i've just tapped into that world of of flip belts so i've got to get you know see how much i can shove in there for one of my you know 10k <laughs> training runs and so yeah yeah um, yeah yeah um i've not used one myself but a lot of my friends use camel packs which mm-hmm. for longer distance runs you can store water i generally if i'm doing a long training run in london i'll plan where there's a shop where I can run in and get some water. So mm. I don't I don't generally like to run with backpacks on or anything like that, but a, a lot of my friends recommend uh, camel packs as well. And a definite um, piece of equipment that I would recommend is a foam roller. I don't know if you have those over there. Yeah, I've got one about four feet away from me. Yeah, yeah, mine is too. <laughs> they, like, I, they are brilliant i'd never even heard of one before uh, last last year when i started training but that's kind of like really good for like massaging out the muscles i mean it's painful but um yeah, yeah i would 100 percent recommend that if people are looking to train for like half marathons or marathons or anything like that yeah that's awesome what about um shoes what kind of shoes and what kind of washes are you wearing these days um so i have the garmin 235 watch which is really good you um with the app you get all of your stats and your splits and your heart rate and everything like that so uh that's the one i'm using at the moment um and shoes i use brooks i've got quite wide feet so Mm -hmm. for me um yeah the brooks the ghosts are the ones that i've got at the moment um and i've had them for the last two pairs of trainers i've had actually (laughs) so yeah yeah, I love the 235. I always I asked that question, but I already knew the answer. But for everyone else, it's it's good. Uh, it's good essay. But um, yeah, the 235 is amazing. And for anyone who wants to follow um, Emma on Instagram, she posts her you know runs, and she's super transparent about her training. And you'll see her Garmin 235 on there. And yeah, for anyone who you know really wants to get deep into training, those Garmin 235s are incredible. It's kind of a good balance between you know having the run data available without having all like the swoop D crazy data that you're never going to need. Like, yeah. um, you because know, you can buy a watch that's $500 or you can get a two thirty five that tells you your heart rate, tells you how fast you're going and tells you how far you're going, which 
for me exactly. is absolutely perfect yeah for, for pacing and everything for splits it's, it's all really good so yeah, yeah i definitely recommend that well emma i got a, a few like i'll call them quickie questions but a few questions okay. we'll ask at the end and then i'll let you go because i really appreciate your time but um sure yeah so a few questions here pre-race meal and post-race meal favorite and favorite pre-race meal so are we talking like the night before meal yep. or the like more okay um so night before meal i probably like to go sweet potato and some tuna <laughs> yeah that's uh, i generally yeah, it's, yeah lots of people would say that um i used to go like loads of pasta and loads of chicken yeah. uh, but i generally will do that two nights before because if if you go too heavy on the carbs the night before a long run you just feel really heavy, I think. Yeah. So I, agree. I generally, if I'm, yeah, if I'm carb loading, the biggest meal will probably be two days before. Awesome. Um, so, yeah, pasta and chicken and spinach, or I guess sounds lovely, yeah. or, or sweet potato and tuna mayo. Um, okay. And post race meal definitely has to be like a big cheeseburger and fries. Yes. Definitely. Like an American style cheeseburger? Because I, I, I'm huge. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. That's so funny. That, yeah. that would be my exact meal. Like a bacon cheeseburger with barbecue sauce and ranch would be like my go-to. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's so gluttonous, <laughs> but it hits the spot. So good. Um, definitely, definitely. So next question, real sugar or artificial sweetener? Mm, see, I don't have sweetener in anything. Yeah. Um, so I, if I, for example, coffee, I don't have any any sweetener or sugar. So it's difficult for me to say yeah um which but if i was going to have a pudding for example like ice cream or yeah. yogurt so yogurt uh -huh. i would definitely go with like an, a normal one over a sweetener one I what think. about your tea i know people over across tea. the pond love tea they do love tea i don't have sugar in it really you I just do, drink it I, straight yeah no i just drink it yeah i I don't know why. I think I'm really a fan of savory things. Yeah. So, yeah, for me, yeah. I think if I want, that's, that's different. If I was going to have it in tea or coffee, like I think there was a time when I used to have sweetener on my cereal yeah. um, and I would have picked sweetener over sugar, but I just don't have it now. So Yeah. Um, okay. So favorite running motivation platform or inspiration? Where do you go? Like if you need motivated, you need to be motivated to run. Oh, that's for Where me, it's go? for me, it's podcasts. So I, I have a bunch of people that I follow on, you know, my iTunes app. And then um, my second would probably be Instagram. I look at blogs like yours and, you know, Instagram handles like yours to get motivated. Instagram, definitely. Okay. I didn't realize what a running community there was in Instagram. And also from that, I've met so many people. In fact, I'm going to a Christmas thing with a load of the running guys I was running with this morning. Yeah, um, I saw, this, I saw this your evening. post this morning and now I feel lazy yeah. because I haven't done anything and you've already run a 10K. <laughs> yeah so all of those guys i met through guys and girls i met through instagram so definitely if i need some motivation that's probably where i go social media i would think yeah um okay so favorite all-around food is it the cheeseburger? All around food. yeah i was about to say i was gonna go back to the same thing yeah um, that's really tricky favorite all-around food well so you can answer you can answer it also again with this next question favorite all-around food you would eat a huge ton of if you weren't a diabetic oh okay then banoffee pie banoffee pie banoffee pie do you have that no. if we have <laughs> that like, i don't know what it is it's like got a biscuit base and it's got toffee and banana and lots of cream it's really yummy 
that actually sounds incredible. It's it it's, is incredible. Yeah, it's ten forty five here, and I already want some of that. So, <laughs> or also, also banana milkshake. Big Ooh. fan. With nothing else, <laughs> just banana. Yeah, banana milkshake, but probably made with like ice cream and stuff like that. So yeah, yeah very good. Okay. Awesome. So <laughs> next one is something you wish everyone knew about diabetes. Something I wish everyone knew. I mean, I don't know if this is a few things I wish everyone knew. I wish everyone knew how many things impacted your blood sugar. Um, I'll give an example. I've had quite a stressful couple of weeks. Like I've moved. It's been really busy at work. I've had a couple of personal things going on. It's been really stressful. And your sugar levels just go up with stress, um, which then becomes even more stressful because you can't control them. And I don't think people realize Um, For example, carbs impact your uh, sugar levels. Mm -hmm. Lack of sleep impacts your sugar levels. Going for a run a day later impacts your sugar levels. Alcohol impacts your your sugar levels. Like, I don't think people realize how many many things um, actually do. Oh, hold on. I'm retracting that. I also would like people to know that I didn't get diabetes because I ate too many sweets as a little child. Yes. Because I get that all the time. Yeah. That would be my biggest thing is I, I just wish people knew the difference between type one and type two. So if exactly. I am, you know, if I am eating something sweet, people don't look at me and say, shouldn't you not be eating Should that? Should you be using that? Yeah. And yeah. I'm like, I'm low right now. I need this. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 No, I know where you're coming from. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. So last question, and then I'll let you go. Um, okay. Advice that you would have for someone who either is a runner and just got diagnosed with diabetes or has been a diabetic for years and is wanting to get into running. Okay. Um, so I think I said this before, it's, n- it's not easy, but y- you can't give up. Um, I mean, every, every runner has a bad run, but there are so many other factors we have to think about. And I think you, you need to take, take small steps. Um, and it, and it is trial and error. So, I mean, do, do your research. There's, there's so much research out there. And I think, I can't remember the website name, but there are specific type one sports related websites where you can go in and say, I want to run this distance. This would be my blood sugar at the start. Like, how much should I eat? How much should I inject? And it will give you guidance. And I think it's just like, you know, trial and error. So if it doesn't work one day, that doesn't mean that and, and you have to eat extra food or or your blood sugar goes high. That doesn't mean that it's not going to work every time. And it's just not giving up sort of thing. Right. Um, definitely would be my advice. Awesome. Well, uh, so I'll let you go. But before I let you go, where can um, listeners follow you at? Where's the uh, the best platform or place for listeners to keep track with you and your running and your training? It's definitely um, we run diabetes uh, with. So it's we underscore run underscore diabetes on Instagram. Um, yeah. And then there's a link to my blog page on there as well. Awesome. Yeah. And for any listeners who, you know, don't already follow her, you got to follow her because she's constantly doing stuff and just watching her Instagram is going to make you want to go run because you're going to feel lazy <laughs> compared to her. So um, oh, thank yeah, you. Emma, thanks so much for being on the, the podcast today. And I appreciate thank all you your for time. having me. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Hey guys, once again, thanks for tuning into episode two of the Diabetic Running Podcast. These podcasts will be dropping every Monday and I'll be interviewing individuals from all over the world that are associated with diabetes really in any way. Whether it's a doctor, a nutritionist, a bodybuilder, a runner, or a triathlete, I'm going to consistently bring you guys this sort of you know content and hope that you guys can pull a lot of information out to apply to your own training, whether it be on the bike or on the road or in the pool or in the gym. 
Um, so once again, if you'd like to reach out to me, I'm on the diabetic running podcast.com. You can also reach me on Instagram at the diabetic running podcast or on Facebook at diabetic running podcast. Thanks for listening guys. Mm-hmm.